Greetings. Welcome to the Calvary Media SDA podcast series in episode 16 streamed live on September 17, 2022 with Pastor Coastly Joseph preaching on the topic, Be Strong and Courageous, Part 2. Sit back and enjoy the Calvary audio experience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Looking to start a new podcast? Tired of paid services stealing your money for little benefits? Want a more versatile host service? Well, look no further than Anchor. Just sign up today and upload to your heart's content with Anchor. Amen and amen and amen. I don't know about you, but here at Calvary, we came to praise the Lord. There's a phrase that I'm beginning to coin, a sacrifice of praise. You know what is encouraging to me is that as I look into the congregation, I know the stories of what each one, some people are going through. And to see us here in this building praising God. Even when the situation, we're still enduring it. That's a sacrifice of praise. You don't know what the person next to you is going through. They may walk into the sanctuary and they can just barely make it in. To offer a sacrifice of praise. Today's World Pathfinder Day, and we're concluding our series entitled, Be Strong and Courageous. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, for the next few minutes, we want you to speak. Cover me with the blood shed on Calvary. And it's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Last night, if you missed our Vespers, Pastor Dixon, all the way from Jamaica, no passport, came into the Zoom. No passport! And delivered a word saying, know who you are fighting against. As I said last night, I quickly covered my sermon notes because he said, be strong! And I said, you better not preach my sermon. I will mute your mic. Have mercy. Pray for the pastor. If you missed Wednesday night, Elder Rayner brought a sermon as well. Church, I'm reminding you that we need to plug into these moments because we go through too much during the week. We need to recharge ourselves. Last week, if you missed a sermon, you can catch it on our YouTube channel. Simply, if you're watching now, you're already on the YouTube channel. But if you're in the audience and you're here for the first time, Calvary SDA Media, just look for there and you look for the sermon last week. And you can catch the sermon part one, Be Strong and Courageous. Anthony Davis, good to see you in the building, Captain. I see you up there. That's the, the three points that we covered last week was, you are here because of a promise that God made to someone else. Each one of us here is an answer to prayer. Your grandma, your great-grandmother had been on her knees, your great-grandfather, long before you were born. And God said, because of their prayer, I'm going to continue sustaining you. 
The second point is that your preparation began yesterday. We looked at the fact that as young people, your preparation for leadership starts yesterday, which means you don't have time to waste. Last week I did share that yes, pastor plays a little bit of Xbox, but I wanna make sure that the most of the time that I spend is in the word of God, not too much time apart from the word of God. And lastly, we concluded that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Those were the three points. Today, be strong and courageous. As I was preparing this final sermon in this series, wanted a great opening illustration. Now, you know, pastor loves basketball. Basketball doesn't love me, but I love basketball. And I remember when I was going to eighth grade, I asked my parents to buy me a basketball hoop to put in the backyard for my birthday. And my parents saved their money and we finally got a hoop. And there, as the bigger of my brothers, except for my older brother, I developed some skills on the basketball court. And quickly, my younger brother after me had more of a love for the game, and the game loved him more. And every day we would go, I would go, and, and all Pastor could do is a jumper shot from the outside. I didn't drive in. My younger brother would drive in, and I have my baby brother, and we would play against him as well, too. And it was amazing because when you play against someone that's half your size, it's a lot of fun. My little brother would get up and he would get ready to shoot and he would take both hands and put his whole body to throw the ball up and I would just block that with confidence. I dare not step on a basketball court with him today though because he can play and I cannot. But as I was looking at the opening illustration, I wanted to find an iconic player that would sort of represent what we find here in today's topic. And as I looked at the landscape, there's one player that came to mind, and his name was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was born August 1978, August 23rd, 1978. So he and I share a birth month. And let me tell you a little bit about Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant had a philosophy called the Mamba mentality. Was it called? The Mamba mentality. And there's a book that you can get on Amazon. Someone's smiling at me. They're like, Pastor, you're struggling with the word. Yes, the Mamba mentality. And the book that he has is, that he wrote is How I Play. Now there's five lessons that you can learn from this book. If you pick it up, there's five main points that he drives home. It's that if you're gonna play the game, you need to play with passion. You cannot be like pastor running half court and then taking a break and asking someone to tag you in. You need to play with passion if you're going to win. The second thing is you need to be obsessed about the game. If you ever meet someone who loves playing basketball, all they think about, Cam, is playing the game. After school, as soon as their homework is done, they're outside playing game. In the morning, they're playing game. Saturday sunset, one street light, they're playing the game. No one can see, and they're still out there shooting. You need to be obsessed. Now, while I, not, I don't dominate on the basketball court, I do have an obsession, and that is aviation. 
But that's not part of the sermon. I just wanted to slide that in there. If you want to win the game, you need to be relentless in the game. That means when you go for your jump shot, if you miss, you go again. You don't allow discouragement to get to you. And the last point, I skip one because I've typoed it. I'm not going to say it, is you need to be fearless. If you're going to win at basketball, you need to be fearless, Elder Johnson. You need to be at the half court and when all the guards are out there and everyone is standing there and between you and the basketball court, there's three other men standing before you or women if it's girls basketball or court basketball. You need to have the courage to drive through the lane, bump against them and finally make the layup or if you're tall, dunk the ball. Someone's with me on that one, dunk it. Those are the five principles of Mamba mentality. Now here's some quotes from Kobe Bryant. He said, dedication makes the dream come true. How many of us are dedicated in our spiritual journey? How many of us are relentless in our spiritual journey? How many of us are obsessed in our religious journey. Another quote that he says is once you know what failure feels like, determination chases success. And then there's a last quote. When Kobe Bryant was winning, a lot of people were asking him questions and he made a statement. He says, I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan. I want to be Kobe Bryant. And there's something impactful in this. He doesn't want to be someone else. He wants to be the best he that he can be. Now, what does this mentality achieve? Let me tell you a little bit about Kobe Bryant. In his career, five NBA championships, 18 all-star nominations, and he's the first NBA guard to play 20 seasons. Kobe Bryant was dedicated. He was focused. He was a champion. Kobe Bryant knew a thing or two about success. And just like observing him, we can learn a, two, a thing or two about his approach to the game. Here Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1 is going to teach us a thing or two about being successful in serving the Lord. I want you to open your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. We're picking up with verse 6. I want to paint a picture for you here. The Lord has approached Joshua. Moses, God's servant, is dead. And now they're about to cross into the promised land. And if you remember 40 years earlier, when Joshua went to look at the promised land, the other spies said that there are people so big that we look like grasshoppers to them. And now as Joshua stands on the cusp of the unknown God, enters history and has a word with him and God it repeats this statement three times God says to Joshua be strong and courageous three times the Lord as he's speaking to Joshua knowing the task that is before him he says to him be strong and courageous Joshua, who had journeyed with Moses, he's seen 40 years of clothes not wearing out. He's seen 
the fire by night, the pillar of smoke by day. He's seen the manna. He's seen the, all the wonderful things that God has done. But now he's about to enter into a new situation that he's never been in before. Brother Bobby, last year I said, I remember being in school where, you know, when you finish sixth grade and you sit in seventh grade, you say, there's no way that I can finish seventh grade. I'm being honest with you. I was that student that every year I would go in and the first day of class, the teacher would roll out the syllabus and they would say, you need to read this book and write this book report. And I would say, there's just no way, Lord, that I can do this. And I remember going to college. The only time, Brother Anthony, that I never said that was when I was an undergrad. Aviation was my major. There, I knew my stuff. Now, there was also a class called physics economics to keep a pastor humble i remember being in my my physics class and the teacher began to write on the board and it looked like greek to me and later on i would take greek and realize that what i studied in college called physics was not really greek but greek is really greek be strong and courageous why does the Lord say this to Joshua? Because Joshua is about to do something that has never been done before. He is about to do something. I'll read the text for you, but let me paint this for you. Be strong and courageous. Let's, let's read the text right here. Verse 6, it says here, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. It's amazing the God that we serve. Here, God is about to work a miracle, and he gives Joshua some of the credit. He says, Joshua, you're going to bring the people into the promise that I've made to the people. God shares some of the courage, but the first thing he says is be strong and courageous. Every time this passage is repeated in the Bible, either a people group or a person is about to undertake an impossible task. Let me, let me read it to you as it says here. It's a, they're about to in, entertain a task that is humanly impossible and very risky to undertake. Let me tell you the other times where this happens. So here in this passage, God is speaking directly to Joshua. But earlier, Moses spoke to Joshua and said, be strong and courageous. Joshua later on will tell the children of Israel as they're about to enter into the promise that he will repeat the words that God said, be strong and courageous. David, when he's passing the baton to Solomon, he says to Solomon, be strong and courageous. And the next time you hear it is when Hezekiah the king is talking to his men. He's saying, be strong. know what it's like but God is looking for people who are willing to be courageous even when their body tells them otherwise let me come a little closer to you I was thinking this week uh I'll tell you a little bit about me a new flight simulator came out so this week pastor's been spending some leisure time on a flight simulator can I get closer to you I'm gonna make a point here one of the things that as pilots we learn is as you develop in skill you need to learn to trust your instruments when I was working on my private pilot 
uh, license, there was a part of the lesson where they call it unusual attitudes. And what the instructor would do, he would put a hood over my eyes so I couldn't see outside the window. He would tell me to close my eyes and then he would begin to maneuver the airplanes in various ways. Sometimes the plane felt like it was speeding up and sometimes it was slowing down. And then he would say, open your eyes and look at the instruments. And from the instruments, figure out which way is north, south, east, west, and how to level the wings. Now, one thing that I learned in this process is that when you're flying, and Brother Anthony can testify to this, when you're flying, your body will tell you certain things. For example, if you're in an airplane and the pilot accelerates immediately as your, the, your body goes back into the seat, you get a sensation that you're climbing. And so if you don't trust your instruments, what the reflex is, is to push forward on the control column. So picture with me, it's dark outside. You cannot see outside. The plane starts to accelerate. You feel like you're climbing. You begin to push the nose over. What happens to the airplane is the nose will begin to go down. And when it goes down, the plane is beginning to accelerate. And when it accelerates, it's going to intensify the sensation that you're climbing when you're actually descending. And what we as pilots need to do is learn to trust our instruments. That means when your body is telling you that you're accelerating and climbing, the instruments tell you that you're diving. You need to override what you are feeling. I'm going to make this plane. When the doctor says that you have cancer, you need to override what that diagnosis and the feeling is and say that God said that he is with you. And so no matter the diagnosis, trust the word of God. When the employer comes in and says, today is your last day, you've got a mortgage payment, a car note, and you bought a new cell phone, you need to trust that God will take care of you. What it means to be strong and courageous is that I know that God is with me. So regardless of the situation, I'm going to stay calm. There's nothing worse than being in a car with someone and they're driving and you hear them say, oh, don't finish that for me. But you could be in the back of the car reading your Sabbath school lesson, Elder Gray. And when you hear that, oh, immediately you pop up because something is wrong. And here we have Christians that go around saying, oh, when God is with you, there is no, oh, there may be an ouch. There may be that hurts, but I'm trusting God over my present situation first thing that god tells joshua he says listen you're going to go into a land that you've never been before you're gonna face people that have been fighting for centuries and you as a people group have been in the wilderness and your biggest hurdle has been asking moses to hit the rock to get some water you're going to fight people that are seasoned. But in the midst of this, be strong and courageous. That is the first point. 
See why it's important for Joshua and Pathfinders. It is important for you to trust God over your feeling. Is because in order for Joshua to complete the task that God had for him, he had to believe the word of God implicitly. You see, as the leader's faith is, that's how the people will follow. The whole Old Testament is filled. If you read from Joshua all the way to Matthew, it's filled with the story of people who would sometimes they believe God and sometimes they don't. Sometimes the king believes God and sometimes they don't. And here at Calvary, can I just be transparent, Porch? Can I just say as it is, church, I want you to be so grounded in your faith that if me and all the elders go left, you say, I'm still going to follow Christ. You see, too many times we look at leaders and we say, well, if the leader's doing it, then it must be okay. No one's going to get to heaven and say, well, Lord, I saw Pastor Joseph doing it. So then it must be okay. And the Lord will say, well, what did the word say? What did the word say? First point, be strong and courageous. Let's go back to the Bible. Verse 7. The next point is you are the variable. Let me read it for you. It says only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may have success wherever you go. The reason God is leaning into Joshua, Joshua is the second leader of this growing tribe of people. And Joshua needs to get it right because it says here from the expositors Bible commentary it says the future of the nation depends on the leader's faithful adherence to God's command. So God instructs Joshua to meditate on the book of the law and the results of it is success and prosperity prosperity i'm going to clean this up because someone's going to say pastor says if i follow the law of moses my bank account's going to be full i'm putting a pin on that pastor's not saying that and if you hear anyone saying that your experience your instruments will tell you the truth you see what Joshua is learning and the, process, the thing that we can apply today is that the future of Israel depended on Joshua's obedience to God. I'm going to make it close to you. The future of your family depends on your adherence to God's principle. You cannot delegate that aspect of your Christian walk to anyone else. It has to, see, Joshua could not delegate that. God spoke to him directly, and this is what he needed to do. Now, the Bible is going to tell us even more. How should you do this? How should you do this? What timeless lessons can we learn here? See, look at verse 8. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to what is written in it. Let me pause right there. I like to use this example. If you ever meet someone that's passionate about something, whatever it is, they meditate on that passion day and night. 
You ever see someone that loves playing, let me make it closer, loves playing dominoes? Right now, as I am preaching, there are some people in this congregation that are walking around with domino pieces in their pocket. As I'm preaching, they've got it lined up. They know what they're going to do tonight. They're resting on the Sabbath, but tonight they're about to take care of business. And you don't have to beg them to play. No. They will be here till two o'clock in the morning. One more round. I like to pick on aviators because I'm one myself. I'm just, even to this day, even though I'm in the ministry, Brother John, uh, Elder Johnson, when I drive to church on the Sabbath, pray for the pastor. If there's an airplane departing from New Haven, a 737-800, two engines, what are those, Pratt and Whitney, full power, taking off. Pastor's driving to church. I'm going to glance and see how that plane is doing on the Lord's day. Amen. Praise the Lord. There you go. I, I cleaned it up. I cleaned it up. I want to make sure the pilot is, is, is honoring the laws of nature on Sabbath. But no one has to tell me to do that. It's in my DNA. The point that I'm simply trying to make to you, if you want to be a success, your DNA needs to be all about God. Church, you cannot be at the point where the elder has to call you. The deacon has to call. You need to be more about God than I'm interested in airplanes. And let me tell you how bad it is. I go to the airport. But Jay, I'm just being honest. I go to the airport just to smell kerosene. I will go to an airport just to smell Jet A converting from liquid to air. That's how deep it is for me. And if it's that deep. Okay, now someone's going to say, well, pastor, what are you doing in the ministry? Let me try to make it plain to you. <laughs> Beyond that, my passion for Christ is even deeper. <laughs> Being very sure, me and God, we have a relationship. I said to him, since, since I was in college, I said, Lord, if you need me, wake me up before the alarm clock. He wakes me up before the alarm clock. My alarm clock is set every day at the same time. Sometimes he plays around and he wakes me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Lord, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. He says, hey, we got an agreement. Time to pray. And so I get up because God is more important to me than the smell of kerosene. And the smell of kerosene is very important to me too. I also love my wife. Someone's like, Pastor, well, where does Michelle fall into this? Yes, I love my wife. Yes. Yes, I love Calvary. If you're wondering where you fall into this, yes, I love it. But what I'm trying to do is drive the point home that Joshua had to meditate on it day and night. That means not Sabbath morning, a quick review of the Sabbath school lesson. It's 24 hours a day. 
You see, many of us, the reason why we are not going anywhere in our spiritual walk is because we are casual Christians. You know what a casual Christian is? That means Friday night you remember that you got to go to church tomorrow. So Friday night, let me turn on the Christian music. Let me do this just on Friday night. But as soon as sun sets, you're back to doing your own thing. No, if you want to be prosperous, and I'm going to connect that for you. In the Lord is 24-7. The Bible says that Joshua had to keep it always on his lips, which means any time someone walked on Joshua, he could begin saying, you know what God did for me this week? You know what God did for me this week? 24, okay, let me make it plain. Sometimes we don't have a testimony ready because we're just not passionate. I'm going to pick on my brother Anthony right here. Anthony, you and I, because we talk aviation. At any point, you can ask brother Anthony, tell me about a King Air. He will begin rattling numbers off to you. Why? I tested him. Me and him, we have this bond, aviation. And so at any point, you can ask me a question about a Cessna 172. I can answer it or I can look it up for you because we're always ready. We're always studying. We're always being proficient at this. Okay, maybe aviation is not your thing. My brother plays basketball. My younger brother, he plays to this day. He plays the game. He watches the game all the time. And what I'm trying to make the point plain is that you need to be about that life. In your spiritual walk. All the time. And then he says. The end of verse 8. And I want you to underline it. He says for then you will make. Your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. In America. When we think of prosperity, we think about money in the bank account. We think about a nice house. I joined a church so I could get a nice job and get a nice house. I'm here to suggest to you that that view of wealth and prosperity is too narrow. When you look at the Hebrew word for make your way, you need to understand what that word means. The way is also conduct and way of life. What... What God is telling Joshua is that as you meditate on the word day and night, who you are is going to change. He's saying that as you meditate, your actual DNA is going to change. And because of that DNA change, everything that you do will be prosperous. Church, we want the success without putting in the work to get there there's a famous comedian he says everyone wants to be famous but no one wants to put in the work everyone wants to be famous everyone wants the bentley everyone wants the glitz and the glamour and the, but no one wants to put in the work and what god is saying is if you put in the work studying my law i'm going to change your actual nature of who you are and then everything that you do will be a success It's not in the sermon notes, but I just thought about this right now. Jesus is Jesus. And on the outside, it looks like here's a God in man who only has 11 
mostly faithful disciples at the end of three minutes, three years of ministry. Imagine if I came here to Calvary and I pastored for three years and only 12 sometimey people joined the church. Everyone would say, this pastor is not effective in ministry. Jesus with only 11 sometimeys. And then at the end, he's God almighty. And he goes to the cross. And everyone will say, if you're God, it, not everyone, Lucifer said to him, if you're God, save yourself. Don't even go to the cross. And then in going to the cross, what looks like defeat, on the first day, Satan is celebrating. He's like, he's dead. We won. On the second day, he's like, he's still in the ground. We won. And then on the third day, he said, wait a second. I remember him saying something about the third day. He says, let's go and send all of the gremlins and the imps and surround the tomb. But on the, on the first day of the next week, God the Father, because Jesus was sound as, it is my sanctified imagination. Jesus is resting and God the Father says, hey son, you've done it. You've won the battle. Wake up. And Jesus says, I'm already up. <laughs> What looks like defeat was success. And what I'm trying to say to you is that when God changes your DNA, your success is not measured by man's standard. It's measured by God's standard. Which means that even with the negative diagnosis and the doctor says, I can't do nothing else for you. It's still a success because when you die here, you'll have a new body up in heaven. Church, I'm trying to make this point and I'm trying to make it plain. You need to be so about God <sighs> okay too much yelling let me calm down too much yelling <sighs> the second point was supposed to be in my notes and the second point is the variable is you you need to make a commitment today to say that Lord no matter what I'm going to commit to making you first. And I want you to remember, whenever you drive by an airport and you smell the kerosene, say, ah, God first. <laughs> See someone playing dominoes, ah, God first. See someone cut you off on the road, ah, God first. Come home and your wife and, and you guys have a, ah, God first. Now we're going to get to the last point. God is talking to Joshua. He said to him, be strong and courageous. You're about to do the thing, the unthinkable. And now he says again, he's bringing it in for the third time. Verse 9, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Then there are two words that he uses. He says, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. I want to pause right there. There's a quote that I found on the internet. It says, fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. Can I get close to you? We're all humans here. Who's here afraid of the dark? No, okay. Let's be honest. Everyone turns on a nightlight to walk around the house at night. Come on now. Don't be afraid. So the point that I'm trying to make is that 
Fear is a reaction. There's a situation that you don't know that's going to happen. And immediately you begin to protect yourself because you don't know what the outcome is. And so God, as he's talking to Joshua, he says, Joshua, when you go into the promised land, I want you to make sure that you are fearless. Let me try to make this even plain. Pastor loves to watch boxing before I became all the way in ministry. I don't watch boxing now, but back in the day, I used to watch boxing. And one gentleman that I really enjoy watching is Mike Tyson. Now, if you remember Mike Tyson at his prime, he would go into a match. Now, I couldn't watch the match when they were real time because you had to pay for them. But I was happy that I didn't pay for them because if you paid for a Mike Tyson fight, it was like 30 seconds. Imagine paying 60 bucks and you waited all day and Mike Tyson goes in the ring and he walks around and in 30 seconds, you're like, you didn't even finish eating your salad and it's over. But Mike Tyson has a saying. He says when he goes into the ring, he looks at his opponent and he stares at his opponent and you can see him as he's in the corner he's walking back and forth and he makes that eye contact and he doesn't break that eye contact now if you know mike tyson's reputation you know that when you're in the ring with him it's going to hurt he's not gonna tap you he's gonna take your head off and so as he's looking at you in the ring, he stares at his opponents and most opponents, as they look at Mike Tyson, they see the, the intensity of his stare. And he says, as soon as they break eye contact, he knows he's won the match. God is telling Joshua that you need to look at your opponent, stare straight at him in the eyes, and don't you look away because the rest of the verse says, I am with you. You see, many of us, when we face a situation, we look and we blink. We look and we're afraid. How is this going to turn out? But God is telling Joshua, I am with you. Look and stare and watch Satan begin to back away. He says, don't be afraid. Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. The second word that he says is don't be dismayed. Why is he telling Joshua this? Because many of us, when we face a tough and impossible circumstance, the first thing that we do is say, how am I going to get out of this? The God, let me try to make this plain. It's not in the sermon notes. But God, who in Genesis chapter one, spoke and light happened. He said, let there be light. And there wasn't even a sun. And there was light. The God who spoke and told the water come no further. And the water doesn't come further. Sometimes the water gets carried away and it comes into the land, but it always goes back here. God who said it was the end of the first day and now the second day. And even now time continues. That's him who's in your corner. And when he says, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed, he's in your corner. So Joshua, as he's about to go into the promised land, God says, 
Don't be afraid. When you look at your problems, face them head on. Don't blink, don't turn. And when the problem seems too big for you to handle, trust your instruments. Don't get discouraged because as soon as you begin to look inside and you say, what is it that I'm going to do? You will be discouraged and then you will back away from your destiny. The end of this passage ends in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I need to make this plain because as I look at this, I like to think that I'm Joshua. I'm not Joshua. Joshua is a type of Christ. He was called for specific ministry. I don't want anyone leaving here and saying that I'm going to go conquer the promised land by myself after reading this passage. You need to make sure that whatever it is, is what God has told you to do. But the one principle that we can take with us that God spoke to Joshua, but it applies to us today, is one, to study his word. That applies to all of us because in Revelations, let me look at this reference right here. In Revelations 5 chapter 10, it says that we are called to be kingdoms and priests to our God. What does that mean is that each one of us here are called to be leaders in the religious world and the secular world. That's what the Greek means. And because of that, we need to make sure that God is our number one. And then as we do this, the second thing that we can apply in our lives today is that God is with you. You see, church, the longer I pastor, the more I realize that there are some problems that no man can provide a solution for. There are some problems that will happen to you and you can go to a doctor, you can go to a psychologist, you can go to a counselor, you can go to a financial counselor, you can go to an attorney. And that problem is too big for everyone. And I suggest to you that sometimes the Lord allows you to see that there are some things that only he can work out in your life. And so today the reminder is that in the midst of the unknown, be strong and courageous trust your instrument which is the bible whatever the lord said lean on that and continue to wait okay let me my final aviation illustration i'm pretty proud of myself yesterday i flew a flight on a simulator from hartford connecticut all the way to jfk i'm pretty proud of myself anthony you're gonna appreciate this i i put my Garmin G1000, set it up, set my flight plan. And as I was approaching the airport of JFK, I had the autopilot on and this is in my pastor's study. So I'm in there chilling, having a good time. I got the autopilot on. I'm looking at my sermon notes, checking the plane, looking at my sermon notes, checking the plane, looking at my sermon. I was like, this is good. And as I turn on to final, Anthony, you're going to really appreciate this. Um, I turned to final and then the glide slope, I'm talking some aviation terms, someone watching online is going to appreciate this. The glide slope on the G1000 began to descend and I hit the autopilot so that it engages and captures the glide slope. And the autopilot said, not today. 
I'm not going to mess up this beautiful flight with my sermon notes talking about being strong and courageous. So immediately I took over the instruments. And now I began to chase the glide slope, chase it down, bring the power back a little bit. And I began to focus on my instruments, my attitude horizon. I'm looking at my altimeter. I'm looking at my speed ticker. And I'm configuring the airplane in for the landing. The whole time I'm focused on my instruments. And as I began to focus on my instruments, for that brief moment, I put my sermon notes aside because I've got to land this airplane. It's all about landing the airplane. And as I'm getting closer, it's two miles. It's a mile and a half. Rate of descent, 500 feet per minute. 500 feet per minute. And then I cross the threshold. There's something that pilots only appreciate. You cross over the numbers and now you're 20 feet above the runway and you shift your gaze from the instruments and you begin to look outside the window, inside the simulator. And I begin to pitch up, pull back, pitch up. Pull back, bring the power back gently, and that plane kissed. Okay, so y'all should be saying amen. <laughs> that plane kissed. The wheels went. <laughs> Elder Gray, you know what I'm talking about. It's none of this welcome to America. And then all the luggages come down. No, no, no. It just. And that nose wheel was up in the air. And gradually as the plane slowed down, I released the control. And it comes down as I... And then after that, thrust reverser and slowed down in the middle. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. You see, God wants to give us that experience 10 times more. And all he's asking is that we trust him. And as I celebrated in my pastor study, I began to realize that there's going to be an even greater celebration for all of those who focus on Christ and the word of God. There's going to be an even, God's going to, when you get to heaven, it's going to be that landing. And you're going to look back and you're going to say all of this, the autopilot not connecting, flying through the thunderstorm and all of this stuff. It was worth it for that. (laughs) All that pain and suffering as you're getting older, your back is hurting, your neck is hurting. All of that will be worth it for that. Come on now. Amen. Amen. And God is simply saying to you today. Be strong and courageous. Pathfinders, the message for you today is be strong and courageous. Adults, the message for you today is be what? Strong and courageous. My appeal for you this week as we bring this sermon to series to a close is that you will do like me. Make God your number one. Church, I am being so serious right now. It is not a joke. I know we say it all the time, but we are living in times now where you're here today and you're gone today. In the past, you could say here today, gone tomorrow. I'm not trying to be sensational, but I have a friend this morning that sent me a message. And she said, she calls me coastly, friend from before the ministry. She says, my brother's wife just passed away this morning young person as young as me go to sleep don't wake up in the morning and church the longer i am in ministry it's it's personal it's the reality you're here elder johnson can tell you 
you're here today. Make every day God your number one. Make every moment God your number one. Say today, you know what? I had a great week. I messed around. I did everything that I wanted to do. But today starts the rest of your life. And today you're going to say every day I'm going to make God your number one. What does that look like? That looks like for some, I'm going to read the Bible a chapter a day. I'm being serious. Beyond the Sabbath school lesson, reading the, the Bible a chapter a day and asking the Lord, teach me what it is that I need to know today. Right now, I'm doing this by example. I'm reading the book of Esther a chapter a day. And I read the book of Esther and I journal and I say, what is God telling me in the chapter? And I've got this digital journal that I walk around with me. You need to find whatever it is that connects you to God. Because as you connect to him, he's going to transform you. So this pastor here that can preach without notes, the only reason why I'm able to do it because of the time that I spend every morning when he wakes me up. We need to make that our number one priority. And as we do so, watch God begin to continue transforming you. Church, this church, I'm, I'm, I'm landing this plane. This church is the lighthouse of love. Even in my brokenness, when people come here, they say that here at Calvary, I have an experience that I can't find anywhere else. And then I say, as good as that experience is, imagine if everyone continued to make the Lord their number one. This church would be a place of, okay, where's my sound? Where's my landing sound? <laughs> there you go. This church would be a place of <laughs> church. Let's make that our commitment going forward. And we here, leadership team, all of us, we're going to do everything to continue to help you on this journey. But take it on yourself. Let's not miss out on the opportunity that Joshua had to speak directly to God and his way prosper. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to episode 16 of the Calvary Media SDA podcast series. We are looking forward to seeing you again next week for episode 17. Have a great one and stay blessed.